This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You ever have somebody just constantly disagree with you? Just disagree with everything you say. To the point where one day you finally realize, oh, it's not that you always think I'm wrong. It's that you don't like me. (laughs) I get it now. Like there are people who will disagree with any opinion you form simply because they don't like you. And I've seen that with other people. You can hear it in podcasts, see it on TV. Like, you'll say some dumb shit just to make sure (laughs) that you won't allow yourself to believe that this person may be right. No matter what you say, yeah, one plus one is two. Well, how do we know that? Who was the first person to make that a thing? No one has ever explained that to me. The sky is blue. Yeah, but that's because you're looking at it from here. You don't know what color the sky is once you're really up in it and on it. There's the sun. There's a lot of things doing a lot of things. You don't know. That's when you got to fuck them up. Hit them with a quick one. You know what? I really like you. Well, I don't like me. Gotcha. Welcome to In The Moment. There's a moment in everything and everything is a moment I talk about the comedy in it all This is your first time, welcome to the funniest podcast you've never heard I'm your new favorite comedian, Mo Mitch, or your money back Shout out to all my regular listeners And my new listeners Yeah I hear the legend in the back Shout out to Stevie Wonder Just turned 71. She has a birthday with my father and my uncle. I never knew that. At least I never realized it. My grandma and I share a a very strong love for Stevie Wonder. We talk about it a lot. So much so, my grandma came to me once and told me that someone that we knew didn't like Stevie Wonder. And I don't think my grandmother or myself have ever liked that person ever again. (laughs) I'm joking. Kind of. That's the thing, though. There's certain, I don't know if this is a black thing or not, but there are certain people who have done certain things for the culture that you don't get to not like. (laughs) Oh, you just can't do it. It's just certain people you can't not like in front of me. I'm not going to like you. And then I'm going to disagree with everything you say, regardless of how it makes me look. You know, there's certain women you cannot say, hey, I don't like Beyonce. They'll fight you. You know, it's just certain people. But shout out to the legend Stevie Wonder. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday to the twins. It's lit. Shout out to the Taurus. I know what time it is. I know what time it is. We're almost at the end of the Taurus season. I'm going to have to tear y'all up in a little bit. If you're not familiar, I'll talk about everybody's sign. We're doing work on TikTok. I hate your sign. It's everywhere. I'm loving it, but just I got to talk to the Taurus, which is actually a tough one for me, to be honest. Virgos and Taurus typically do very well together. I've, I've loved every Taurus I've ever known. But 
Nobody safe. With that said, let's talk about why I'm mad. But you're just so damn sexy. Now, while I'm happy that the whole Instagram ordeal is over with, and I finally got my Instagram back. Yeah, give it up for that. I am happy about that, and we'll never have to talk about it again. But I am mad at a few things that have taken place since I got my Instagram back, and that's what I forgot to tell y'all. But I forgot to mention the fact that when I got my Instagram back, you know, I was just happy to have it back. I checked to see what videos was there. I put my phone down. I went back and I enjoyed my family. But eventually, I actually went through the phone. And that's when I started to realize a lot of things were different. And I went into my messages. And when I tell y'all that this man probably DM'd over 200 women. I mean, it scrolls as far as I can scroll. I got to scroll forever to get to one of my actual messages. Half of these women, he used the same tactic that he did to steal my page to try to steal their page. And it worked a lot. The other half, he just wanted nudes. This man asked at least 100 women for nudes. And some of them sent them. <laughs> it's, um, I was blown away. But most, most didn't. Most didn't. There's only a couple who sent them. I felt horrible, obviously, at the fact that they sent them and at the fact that they think I would do this. But I had to go back and apologize to all of these women. No one was upset with me. They understood. A lot of them laughed because they're like, I knew it wasn't you. I knew something was going on because that's what saved me is he didn't talk like me. Like the way he would ask for the nudes was not in a way I would have done it. Not that I would have done it, because I never have. <laughs> so I don't know how I would have done it, but it wouldn't have been that way. I'm I'm not asking for nudes. That's always felt corny to me. I'm not doing that. But he did that. This guy was like an Instagram genius and a creep. So not only did I have to go back and apologize to all of these women, I have to delete all of these messages. And I haven't found a way to delete multiple messages yet. So I'm doing this one by one individually, just scrolling through my messages and deleting all of the times he asked for nudes or tried to hack you. I'm sorry. Who's next? I'm mad at something that came up today on a bird show because I think it's funny. And ladies, y'all are going to have to explain this one to me because as a man, I genuinely do not get it. I will never forget the day that I got in trouble for telling my girlfriend, you look amazing today. Oh, there I was, was standing there. She did a whole thing. You know, some days the outfit just coordinates a little differently. Everything just hits from all angles. And I saw her and I said, damn, you look amazing today. And I saw her entire face change. Not a smile in sight. I said, what could I possibly have done? Someone called for backup. I'm lost. Then she said it. So how I look every other day. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. This felt like... This, for me, this felt like bringing my girl a dozen roses. And she goes, I wasn't worth two dozen. Fam, how do I answer this? So in my mind, in my logical mind, I'm thinking, 
No, this is crazy. She's just taking this wrong. So I brought it up as an example. Today on the show, and the ladies were like, nah, <laughs> I'm with her on that one. Okay, cool. Fine. So I got to I gotta let the ladies have that one. <laughs> but here's my thing. Here's where I want the ladies to explain this one to me. We are all human, right? Last time I checked. So the way I'm seeing it, I know I ain't batting at 100 every single day. <laughs> I know I'm not. Who would I be to think that I am? That doesn't mean I'm any less me or any less handsome or any less dope. But I know there may be a time I'm running to the grocery store and I put something on and I don't try. I'm still me. But you probably won't look at me and go, damn. Probably not in that moment. But the day I decide to put that suit on, that match those shoes, with that belt, hair fresh, cut, waves, shining, glistening, you just might catch a glimpse and go, damn. And I'm going to look at you and go, I know. <laughs> the last thing on my mind is going to be, well, why didn't you do this yesterday when I was in the sweatpants? I'm only cute in a suit? I mean, what? Y'all going to tell me this isn't perspective? That's what we're doing? Come on. Ladies, y'all got to give me this one. Come on. There's no way that should be taken as I've done something wrong. Now, I'll never do it again. <laughs> I promise you. And if I ever fall in love. The very first time that I saw you said hello and I said hi I knew right then you were the one but I was caught up again in physical I will be sure that I never tell her that she looks amazing today I have learned my lesson but damn it I wasn't going down without a fight that shit should be a compliment I'm standing by it. And it should be met with one or two things. Either thank you or I know. Who's next? I'm mad at this old trick that I saw this kid use on a YouTube video the other day that never worked for me. I'm mad it worked because I used to think I was a genius as a kid when I came up with this one. There were times when as a kid you just knew you messed up. You knew it. Damn. I blew this one. My parents find out about this one, they're going to beat my ass. Right? Or at least in my generation, that's what the thought was. Maybe nowadays it's like, damn, my parents going to take my PS5. Damn, my parents going to cut my Wi-Fi off. I don't know. I don't know what, what you do now. However, I thought I came up with the most brilliant plan as a kid. When you knew you were in trouble, you knew there was no way out. There's nothing you can do. You're caught. Red-handed. That's when you would pull the guilty card. You would beat yourself up so bad in front of your parents that they would begin to feel sorry for you instead of being mad. I thought I was the only kid on the planet <laughs> who came up with that one. I remember the moment. I don't remember what I did or why I was in trouble, but I remember the moment I got the idea to say, I'm about to get my mom's. 
I'm about to walk in there with tears that will fill up a swimming pool and then swim my way out of trouble. So I tried it. And I saw a kid do it. He said, Mom, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I would do such a thing. Oh, my God, Mom. I don't even know who I am anymore, Mom. I might need therapy, Mom. I never thought of that one. You know what therapy was when I was eight? Who thinks to use therapy as a weapon? This kid's a genius. I saw his mom's whole swag change. She wanted to kill him. She said, all right, just go in the room and think about what you did. And he looks up at the camera and he smiles a little bit. He keeps walking. I said, the little mother... Holy... That's everything I tried. Outside of the therapy, I did all that other stuff. I did the same thing. Walked in, I said, I couldn't believe I would do such a thing, Mom. I'll never do that again. I'm disappointed with myself. That was horrible. You didn't raise me like that. I am better than that. Who do I think I am? I will never forgive myself. She said, good, all right, I guess we ain't got to do no talking then, but go get that belt. (laughs) That shit ain't work for me. (laughs) Hey, damn. You ain't gonna let me beat myself? Oh, man. (laughs) I'm just playing. I love you, mama. Who's next? I'm mad at revenge bodies. Somebody gotta say it. I'ma be him. So a lot of y'all out here was in a relationship, ain't do nothing with your body. Soon as you got out, you're a fitness model. Oh, happens every day. They call it a revenge body. Watch me get right. Now you want to do this? Now when I did it, I wasn't mad at it at all. I got out that relationship and we ain't got a six pack so fast. I got older and I did the same thing. Got into a relationship, broke up, we ain't got a six pack. Second time it was beer. Ran to a six pack each time though. Just different ways, see? So I need to go back to where I used to be. And I remember the day she texted me. My ex, she cheated on me. Went and got pregnant. It was all messed up, y'all. It was all bad. In fact, I was talking about this the other day on another podcast. And they'd asked me if I had ever been cheated on. And I was like, whoo, have I? Yes. And they asked me what happened and what did I take from it. And I told them <laughs> that... It was a toxic relationship. It's a whole thing. But at the end of the day, yes, that's how it ended. She cheated on me and ended up being pregnant with the guy she was cheating on me with. And they asked me, how did I find out? And I said, well, she kind of hinted at it for a while. But I found out when she sent me a picture of herself kissing the dude by a waterfall. (laughs) Like... (laughs) That's the picture she sent me. And I completely forgot about this until I was talking about it on the podcast. But that's what happened. I think I sent her a text after we had got into it. And I was like, so I guess this really it, right? And she and she sent me the picture of her kissing the dude by, by the waterfall. And I texted her back, that's, where'd y'all take this? Because this is nice. And um, she eventually was like, I'm so sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I was out of anger. And then literally told me she didn't want to break up. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> you think I'm TLC or some shit? I ain't chasing nothing. 
So that was how I found out. And honestly, looking back on it, it did hurt. Obviously. But I really think my ego was more hurt than my actual heart. Because deep inside, I knew that she wasn't the one. And I knew that there was no true ending with us. But I stayed because I was comfortable. I was young. I didn't love healthy. I don't know that I, that I do now. But I stayed for a lot of different reasons. But I kind of, in the back of my mind, always knew this is going to end at some point. It's just going to be hard because I did love her. She was my first real passionate love. It's just we weren't meant to be together. And that's how it ended. But I definitely think there's something to getting cheated on the first time as a man. A lot of it is, is your ego. That's just as bruised, if not even more so, than your heart. Because you, how could you cheat on me? There's so much to it mentally that I don't think a lot of men understand until they go through it. Which is why it's typically so easy for some of them to do it to a woman. With that being said, it's all good if I revenge body you. But don't be out here trying to revenge body me. If you ain't work out when we was together, don't start working out now. Who's next? I just realized the other day I'm mad at a tactic that people sometimes use in order to try to prove a point or to prove their point. Have you ever realized that sometimes a person cannot stand on their own opinion? What I mean by that is they can't just say, hey, I think this of you and leave it there. What some people will do is use your friends, your family or people around you or people they know and go, hey, my girl thinks this too. Or your mom thinks this too. Or Sally has said the same thing about you. First of all, that's snitching. Okay, we need to start there. Why do people do this so often? But then turn around and say snitching is whack. Is it? Why are you ever talking about what somebody else said? Why? You got to ask yourself that. Why is it even important in that moment to bring someone else into that conversation who had nothing to do with it? Just to try to prove or further validate your point. You must not think that your point is strong enough then. That your opinion is valid enough to stand on its own. What you need a choir for? You the preacher. Give your sermon. Don't lean on somebody else. If you right, you're going to celebrate it by yourself. <laughs> But if you're wrong, you want somebody to lean on, Joe? Fair east side, by the side will stay, and always praise the name. Praise the name, praise the name. Principal Clark, I'm just saying, stand on your own too. You should never be talking about what somebody else said. Say what you say. Talk about how you feel. I'm mad at that. All right, let's get in the shout outs. Shout out to Barry Sanders. If you're a sports person, you're probably thinking I'm talking about the NFL player. If you're not a sports person, you're probably thinking, oh my God, I think he's going to sports. You'd both be wrong. I'm talking about this mouse that used to live with us in college. I was talking to my homeboy the other day, and he reminded me of the times where we used to constantly have mice running through the apartment in college. Why he decided to remind me of this? Not exactly sure. Not some shit you'd want to remember. However, I certainly remember these times. I mean, it was bad, y'all. Like, we lived in these dorms, and it took us a while to figure it out. The problem was that we lived on the first floor, 
and there was an opening. It was like a hole by the toilet that led inside the wall. And there just must have been a ton of mice that would just find their way through that hole into the apartment because every day it seemed like we'd find out we had a mouse. And at first it was like, okay, you kind of knew that eventually you was going to play mice games at ODU. You just kind of knew that. It was going to happen, especially if you lived on the first floor, which I didn't know until it was too damn late. So we playing mice games. You got to do what you got to do. At least it's not reindeer games. I mean, it could be worse. That's the way I'm looking at it, right? And I grew up in the hood, so there was a few times I had to catch a mouse for somebody in the family. I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm all right. And in my head, I'm like, I'm from New York. We deal with rats. What's a mouse to a rat? What's a king to a god? You know what I mean? Human beings in a mind. What's a mob to a king? What's a king to a god? What's a god to a non-believer? This is what I'm on. I just didn't realize this was going to be every day, y'all. So the first time we saw a mouse, we would kind of squad up and we would try to catch it. Most of them, we caught pretty fast. We set the place up to where it wasn't a lot of places for them to hide. Then we'd trap them and we'd catch them. Bow, put them away. Caught the first one, was like, yo, that was fun. Coast caught him, took his shirt off. We celebrated like he hit a shot at the buzzer. Probably drunk a couple 40s, went on about our life, went to class. And that was it. Then we saw another mouse. Caught him and put him out. Then we saw another mouse. Caught him and put him out. Okay, something's not right. Either one of y'all is Michael Jackson as a kid and keep finding a way to bring Ben ass back in here. Or one of y'all just dirty as hell. But either way, we got a bit of a problem. Nobody admitted to having a pet. We didn't know what the hell was going on. Just dumb college students. Nobody thought to check the walls and the seals. I don't think anybody thought to check all of that. So our mind at this time is on catching this last mouse. The rest of them, we caught them right away. This one right here? Barry and them? B. Sanders? When I tell y'all he juked the shit out of all of us every single time one of us was around him, he treated all of us like we were Rod Woodson. We became crackheads trying to catch Barry the Mouse. It was one time, it was like four or five of us in this dorm, no shirts on, helmets, knee pads, gloves, bleach, brooms, assault rifles. <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> we was loaded up with whatever weapons we could find. It's college. Fly swat is all that. Whatever, yo, bring whatever you got. <laughs> we knocking on doors. Bring whatever you could bring. I'm telling y'all, one time I think it was five, six of us in there, and we had him in the corner. He's like, yo, you lift up the couch. He gonna have nowhere to go. He's just gonna run out. All one of us gotta do is put the garbage can on him, hit him with the broom, do something. That man lifted that couch. And you know how I knew it was over? Cause most mice would just run immediately. Barry stood there. For a second, he didn't even move. We thought he was scared. He was like, look, he's scared. Got him cornered. Now what? He was sizing us up. Man had vision. He knew exactly where to go first. And this is what made it crazy. Out of the six of us that was there, I'll never forget. One of my roommates, his name was Phil. <laughs> he was from the country. Country, country. I'm from the city, so he used to always tell me about the country. One of the things he said this whole time was, yo, we had mad rats growing up. In the fields, it was nothing to us. I used to constantly catch rats. But he used to never be in the dorm. 
So he didn't have to help us catch any of the mice that was there. He just used to tell us his war stories about how if he was there, it would be easy because he was Rambo when it came to rats. And he was on the front line. Everybody had a position. Barry finished reading the defense. I heard somebody in the background go down. Read. Omaha. Said. Green 42. Blue 42. Hut. When I tell y'all, Barry ran straight to Phil. Phil threw the garbage can and jumped on the couch and said, As soon as he did that, a few of us stopped. In our tracks, because we were surprised that Rambo could yell that loud. Yo, fam, I know you didn't jump on the couch and throw the garbage. This man had the black paint under his eyes. What are you doing? You got fatigues on, my guy. What are you doing? Now some of the defense is arguing. It was three of us that was focused. Barry juked the shit out of all three of us. Bow, bow, bow. I mean, he was like Kyrie Irving with a football. It was ridiculous. None of this is a lie. <laughs> I promise y'all one day I'm going to bring my man Coach in here. We gonna, I'm going to have him on his part because a lot of my stories he has to be here for. He's that friend for me because some of my stories are ridiculous. You know how you got those stories that's like nobody's going to believe this unless I have my friend who was there. This is one of those. Barry was insane. No one could catch him. We had plays and shit, man. I remember the day we finally caught Barry. I don't even remember how we did it. I think we set up like a Home Alone type trap and finally got him and everybody just, they, we celebrated we celebrate. Everybody jumped in the air in joy. And we'd finally figured out around that time that it was a hole. And we closed up the hole and we never had a mouse again. But that was a rough time, man. But shout out to Barry. <laughs> that man was way better than Jerry. Who's next? All right, let's get down to business. Alright, real quick, uh, Portia from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Clap it up for her. If you are a Real Housewives of Atlanta fan, I want to make this very clear. I am not. <laughs> I don't know anything about the show. I don't know anything about the characters. I don't know anything. All I know is that she was trending on Twitter for what I believe to be some of the messiest of the messy. Um, Apparently... From the details I have received, she brought her best friend on the show that she's on, and her best friend was married. Some time goes by, best friend and husband at the time get a divorce. Some more time goes by, Portia gets a divorce or breaks up or whatever she does. And now she's with the guy who used to be married to the best friend. And they're engaged. <laughs> get a load of this. That's some tea for your ass. What is going on with people, man? Somebody tell me. Break it down, because I'm lost. In my mind, did you bring your best friend on the show because you wanted to get closer to her husband? Let's talk about it. You got to watch people. Because I am one who personally believes that when you and your friend have girlfriends or what have you, significant others, boyfriends, whatever, and y'all split up, break up or whatever, and then all of a sudden, somebody who was your friend starts dating your ex. In my mind, that didn't start after the breakup. <laughs> I don't believe it did. 
You had an eye for my girl while she was with me as my friend. Maybe I'm different. But I honestly could never be attracted to anyone who is dating my friend or who has dated my friend. Because I don't even see you like that. And I ain't even talking about my best friend. That's a whole nother level. This could be a regular friend. B tear, C tear, whatever tear. You dated who? Nah. Can't do that. And I ain't judging, but I can't do it. But best friend? And they were married? Now you getting married? And I've been together three months, I believe. Couple months, whatever it is. And y'all telling me that just started? Nah. She wanted that man from a distance. While they were friends, I believe that. Fast. That's why her name Portia. Heavy on the gas. That's important right now. <laughs> Who's next? All right, let's talk about Pretty Ricky. A lot of y'all never thought you'd hear let's talk about Pretty Ricky ever again, but... I don't exactly want to talk about Pretty Ricky. I want to talk about the rapper from Pretty Ricky, Baby Blue. And quickly, but <laughs> I just thought this was funny. Baby Blue was at a party quite some time ago, and he was robbed. I believe he was shot, but he survived. That part's not funny. Glad he's okay. Fast forward now, and he pleads guilty and faces prison time for being involved in the PPP COVID-19 scam. Worth $24 million. Bruh. Now he pled guilty. I don't know if he did it, but they're saying he did. So much so that it's so much evidence that the man had to plead guilty. It's nothing he can do. So then he gets on Instagram and he says, Hey, just want to thank you guys for all your prayers. I survived being robbed. I survived being shot. I survived this. I survived that. I will survive this too. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I said, Bro, you can't say thank you for your prayers and no weapon formed against me shall prosper when you're the weapon. <laughs> Yo, my guy, you did a PPP scam for $24 million. That's the weapon. <laughs> that's the one that's prospering. When you built the weapon. I, <laughs> where, where are we, man? Again, with this Twilight Zone thing, what is going on? If you go out and commit a crime and they arrest you for the crime, you can't say, hey, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Yo, no, it is. <laughs> That's not what Fred was talking about, fam. <laughs> God's not showing up for that one. Oh, my God. I don't know what he going to do, but he need to change his name fast. Something about prison just makes me feel like I don't want to go in there as Baby Blue. I don't know what it is, but... Yeah, I feel like that ain't the nickname. That's not the one I want to be known by. Who's next? All right, let's talk Rick Ross. Smoking the fast spliff in the brand new Benz. No ID on the track. Let the story begin. Begin. <laughs> yeah. Looking in the mirror, but I don't see much. I saw a clip of Rick Ross go viral this week, and... It's a it's a light clip, not too, not too much. But he was talking about change, and I liked what he was saying because 
I can remember a time having a debate with someone. And I was telling them that, listen, you're handling this wrong. You're going about it this way. You need to go about it this way. And I remember them saying to me, yeah, but remember when this happened, you did the same thing. And you hear that a lot, where a person will revert back to something you've done in order to justify what they're doing. And I had to tell them, like, when did I do this? That was last year. That was two years ago. That was six months ago. Doesn't matter. I've changed. <laughs> I've grown. People change. People grow. That's the way it should be. And then you should learn from your mistakes and then operate differently in the future. That's the point. You can't hold people accountable for something they did a year ago. But you can certainly be held accountable for something you're doing right now. Like, why does anyone ever think that's a way to justify your behavior? Well, you've done it. So? Everything that I do isn't right. I'm not Jesus. And bracelets don't say, what would Mo do? <laughs> well, you're doing what I would do for. You know how many times I've seen a woman tell a man, you dumb, you're an idiot. Men are dumb, all men are dumb. Then the man get mad about something one day, be like, why would you do that? And she turn around, look at him and go, well, you've done it. But you just said I was stupid, though. <laughs> oh, that count for something? Why would you do something somebody stupid would do? That don't add up. Kind of sounds stupid. <laughs> but you can't say that. I know. But <laughs> something got to give here. You shouldn't justify your actions by what somebody else did, especially if I did that years ago. I've learned from it. I've changed. That's what you're supposed to do. Change. Evolve. Grow. Learn. That's supposed to happen. It's a normal order of operation. Allow people to change, allow people to grow, and allow yourself to do the same thing. Who's next? All right, it's time to keep it 100 with y'all, man. I'm going to do a new segment called Keep It 100, where I keep it 100. <laughs> I was debating on if I was going to come in here and be this kind of honest, this kind of transparent. And I don't even know why I was debating it. Because normally I don't. Normally nothing stops me. But I think I've reached this point where I feel like my loyal supporters deserve a certain kind of energy anytime I get behind a mic and represent my podcast. So I've avoided touching deeply on some of the things I've been feeling and going through. Because I just feel like y'all don't come here for that. I know some of you may appreciate it, but I know a lot of you go through that in your everyday life and come here to laugh. Yo, when you talk about stupid shit, I want to hear you laugh. I've been doing my best to keep that at a high level. But if I'm being all the way real with y'all, that's been the hardest thing to do the last few months. And really hard the last few weeks. Truth of the matter is, when you look at where I am in my life, you look at all of the things on the exterior, I'm in the best place I've ever been. Hands down. Not even close. Nothing to complain about. Could complain. For what? But in reality, every time I go to therapy, I'm reminded that with that, I'm in the worst mental space I've ever been in. 
in my life. Something don't add up. And it was in that moment I realized I have to find my inner peace. It's been hard for me to get up every day and go to work. It's been hard for me to come in here into this podcast and go to work. Sometimes it's hard to turn it on when it's really not there. So I'm going to talk because I know I'm going to talk to somebody. Somebody's going through something right now where you got to wake up and go to a job you hate every morning. I remember that feeling. I hated that feeling. It is so difficult to find joy when you can't find joy in waking up because you have to go to a job you hate. That's hard. A lot of us do that for years. I did it for years. Thank God enough prayer, enough persistence, never giving up all of the different important elements. I got to a place where I didn't have to have that feeling anymore. I didn't wake up to go to a job that I hated. Fast forward, some things have happened in my life, losing my grandmother being one of the biggest. Now I'm waking up to go to a job that's pretty damn cool. It's amazing. A lot of people would love to do it. But I have the same exact feeling. There's no joy. Because it has nothing to do with the job. It has everything to do with me. I didn't know that when I could blame it on the job. Because you blame it on the job. <laughs> you don't have to blame yourself. But sometimes life is going to put you in places where all that blame eventually is going to lead back to you. And then that's when you're going to truly figure out who the hell you are. I'll make it a little more clear. One of the things I've discovered recently in therapy is this. When you're abused as a child, and if you've ever been abused in life, I'm going to speak to you for a second. Especially as a child. That shit don't leave. You got to face it. Head on. For so much of your life. And only the people who have experienced it will understand it. If they haven't, they won't. And don't expect them to. But if you're loving on somebody who has been abused, keep this in mind. There are things that can happen to you as a grown man or grown woman. That'll trigger that abuse you faced as a child and it'll make you a child again. That child again immediately. As a man, I ran from that. For years. No, I'd rather separate myself from everybody. Before I have to face that feeling. That level of vulnerability. Nah. I go be alone. It doesn't go anywhere that way. You know what I realized? So what I realized. Is my entire life. I used. Success. And money. As. My motivator. As my weapon of vengeance. Deep down inside, what happens when you're abused by someone you love as a child, it forces you to believe that no one in the world will ever love you. And even when they do love you, you'd only see the imperfections in you. So you can't really accept that love. You don't know how. Love is weird to you. It's a tricky thing now. So, okay. 
you know what I'm going to do? After I sabotage every relationship in my life, because <laughs> I'm never going to truly believe that anyone loves me, I'm going to overcome all of the odds and all of the people who didn't believe in me and the people who didn't love me and the people who didn't accept me. I am going to be great. I'm going to use all of this as the fuel I need to get to where I want to be successful, to where you got to look and go, damn, I was wrong for however you came against me. That was my fuel my entire life. So anytime anything would happen, if it was a breakup, okay, I'm going to do so great in life, I'm going to make you regret leaving me. I'm going to make you regret cheating on me. If it was abuse, okay, I'm going to make you wish you didn't do that. If it was doubt, okay, whatever it was, which is great for the launch. But if you know anything about space shuttles and all that, once they leave the atmosphere, some things break off. And now you got to learn to just exist. You don't, really, you don't need the fuel. Gravity is not pulling you down anymore. But sometimes you get to that level and don't know how to behave at that level because you spent your whole life on that launching pad. I came to pod today. Somebody's listening. I don't know who. So, that works for a long time. And I know there may be someone who's in that position now, not necessarily enjoying the journey or the process because you're constantly focused on where you are going to go and how it's going to feel when you get there. And the truth is, when I first got there, it was the happiest I'd ever been. Whoa. I did it. I just used to want a little bit of money, a little bit of success, a little bit of a platform, a little bit of a following, a little bit of a place to put all of what I felt like I had to offer the world. That's all. And what a blessing. I never gave up on it. I went through it all. One day we'll sit here, you and I, and we'll talk about that too, but not today. <laughs> but I went through it all. I mean, all of it. They threw everything at me. I just didn't quit. I didn't quit. I wouldn't quit. I would die before I quit. There's no plan B. There's no second option. This is it. Shout out to Michael Jackson. I'm flying high. I showed them. I did it. I'm making something of myself, despite all of the odds. And then my grandma died. None of that shit mattered anymore. I had a lyric where I said, You ever try to make an impression? I'm just to question the person you was impressing like, whoa. You ever try to make an impression? Just to question the person you were impressing? Who am I trying to impress? The people who didn't love me? 
who didn't appreciate me. So what? That was my fuel? <laughs> well, that's gone now. Because I have all of those things that I thought I needed. Someone somewhere is saying, damn, just if I had a little more money. Damn, just if I could find a better job. Damn, just if I could get a few more listens on my podcast. Damn, just if I could get... Insert blank. I promise you that's not the problem. It's only the focus because you make it one, because you're constantly focused on what you don't have. But if I truly go back, I was upset when I performed in front of 13, 20 people because I felt like I killed it. I said, damn, look how many people missed this. Why am I not on Netflix? (laughs) Whatever it was at the time. Not realizing that that 20 was going to turn into 60 and it was going to turn into 100 and it was going to keep going. And I wasn't ready. To perform in front of two, three thousand people like I thought I was when I was performing in front of 20. In my mind I was, but I wasn't. You don't really always know what you're ready for. That's why a lot of us jump out there a little too quick. But that's not always the problem. Because then you get the money. You get the job. You get the lessons. And you know what happens sometime? You feel the same. And now... (laughs) you have a real problem because you have everything you were praying for and all of the things that you swore were going to make you happy. You kept saying, God, give it to me, man. Why are you playing with it? And then he go, you know what? All right, here. And suddenly you're hyped for the moment and then eventually the smoke clears and you realize not a damn thing has changed within you. Now what do you blame? And that's when you're going to have to do a search. You're going to have to dive deep. And that's where I am. I got to find my inner peace. And it's not a bad thing. But a lot of times I think when you accomplish a little bit and people look up to you a little bit, everybody want to become fake. They go through it just like you do. I don't care what job you have. It's days you hate it. Is people who never had a really, really amazing job who think, damn, if I just had a job like that, I would never not want to go to work. Yes, you would. (laughs) I promise you, you still would. I'm sure Michael B. Jordan woke up one day and was like, I don't feel like fighting, man. Not today. I'm tired. I don't know. I'm just whatever it is. A lot of times with success, with any form of success, you think that the grind is to get there. And once you get there, you put it in cruise and you enjoy life. Yes. That's bullshit. <laughs> if you've never felt it, I'm telling you right now, that is not true. Take that out of your mind. That's not a reality. You grind, you grind, you grind, and then you get somewhere and it feels good. And then you know what you realize? Now you got to grind even harder than you ever had in your life. Because <laughs> you want to stay there and then continue to build. You in new waters now. Yeah, it feel good to be there. But I hope you learned how to swim in the mother waters you were in because you're going to need it. <laughs> I heard Will Smith on Jay Shetty's podcast the other day where he basically talks about how 
there was a moment when he realized success didn't necessarily equal happiness. It's one of the things I'm learning. Throughout my life, I always equated success with happiness. If I could just be successful, if I could just have something, I'll be happy. I always wanted to be better than my environment, better than what was around me. Whatever I was given, I've always wanted to be better. Wasn't born around a lot of inspiration and people really out here killing and following their dreams. I wasn't really around that. But for me, that was the only thing I could ever imagine. The moment I found out we only get one life. (laughs) It just made sense to me. Why the hell would I spend it doing something I don't mind doing? No. I'm trying to do what I want to do. We get one. What you mean? I saw it different. Nothing was going to stop that. But what I also thought, once that began to happen, I would automatically be happy. Nope. Learned it don't work like that. Because I figured out that success doesn't necessarily equal happiness. Happiness equals success. The goal should have been to be happy. Because that's what success is. Not to be successful. Shit ain't a happy meal. (laughs) It don't come with happiness, man. Success come with a few dollars, a little bit of power, a little bit of respect, few toys, it don't come with happiness. And I learned that lesson. So I've learned a few things. You certainly can't cut off the world or the people you love because you're trying to figure yourself out. But sometimes you do have to go on a spiritual journey. Figure out who you are. It's never too late. I don't know if there's a time frame on that because I know for me it feels like, damn. My therapist was like, yo, figure out who you are. I'm like, yo. Wasn't I supposed to be doing that when I was like 20-something? Hey, maybe not. Doing other things. What's going to make you happy? I told her I don't know. That messed me up. My therapist said to me, when's the last time you were like happy, happy? You felt that feeling of just pure joy. I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> so you run around here making all these people laugh and smile and feel good and happy and you not happy? And I'm like, it's not like I'm running around depressed, but that happiness that you talking about, I don't know it. And she was like, well, think of some people you think are just really like joyful. When you see them, you think of just they're 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 happy. I thought of my mom. I thought of my grandma. Named a few people. And she was like, you don't think you have that? And I said, not like them. (laughs) Like, I'm 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 happy, but not like that. She said, well, that's joy. That's peace. When's the last time you felt that? And I had to really dig deep. I had to think. And I don't know why, but the last time I could really remember feeling like an elated feeling, just a pure feeling of happiness, was when I took my dad to the Cowboys game. And I don't know why. I told her I don't know why. And she said, well, explain it to me. And I said, well, that's always been like me and my dad's thing. Cowboys, football. And he was a really good football player, but he never went pro. He could have. I'm also his son, but I feel like my dad could have went with anybody. (laughs) And that was just our thing. And my dad has done so much for me in my life. And it was like all my dad ever really wanted was to see me win and be successful and feel something. Right. And it was like a moment of where I got to say, Dad, I got you. We're going to go do something. And I got to take him to a cowboy game. 
and it it was like I don't know it was almost like my childhood in a way and we we sat so close <laughs> like it was just a moment and then we won and it was just it was a perfect day and for some reason that day was like the happiest I remember being in a long time and she thought it was interesting that I went to that moment and why and and it was basically said that the success was what allowed me to do that. But the feeling of doing something so amazing for someone that you love. Because of all of the things they have done for you. That was where your last piece of joy was. You love to do for people you love your family. And I thought to myself, I am happiest when I am doing for my family. And then she said, but earlier you told me you want to cut yourself away from your family whenever you're going through something. And I said, you know what? This session is over. <laughs> She's about to make me go deep. And she did. And I won't get into that. But my point is. A lot of times in a weird way, we tend to run away from the things we love the most. Why? Kind of takes you back to that abuse thing I was talking about earlier. You can't run from it. Nowhere to go. Face your truths. Whatever they may be, face them. I ran from a lot in thinking of it. You run from love. You sabotage things. These are things you do naturally. Sometimes don't even realize you're doing it. Until you look back on it and you're like, damn, that was embarrassing. Look at me running from a good thing. You know? <laughs> I mean, even in relationships, like I would always try to be the guy who was there but wasn't there. I'll be in a relationship, but you're not going to hurt me. I'll be your friend, but you're not going to hurt me. But then you never truly get to be yourself. There's no way to hide your weaknesses, your flaws, any of those things, and still be in a relationship. Not possible. A lot of us try that. Not going to hurt me. You're never going to enjoy it. I took a long time to figure out that the key to finding some kind of happiness within a relationship is not going into it. With a wall up. That's not what you should be doing. You should be putting that energy into making sure that the person that you're choosing. Is not going to take those flaws, insecurities and weaknesses and use them as a weapon. Because they're going to be there. <laughs> you're going to give it to them regardless. But what are they going to do with it? I don't like that. You should never use someone's flaws, weaknesses as a way, buttons, as a way to hurt them. Work on it with them, help them grow. But if somebody's using it as a weapon, that is not your fault. That's theirs. Who's next? Last thing I'm going to say in the Keeping It 100 segment is you got to realize, right? I was talking to Jay the other day and it made me think of this. And we were talking about hate. And she had asked me, why do you think that in certain situations men hate on me? Why would a man hate on a woman? And I told her, well, why do you think women hate on women? And then she gave me her reasons, and I said, well, what do you think the difference is? <laughs> it's no difference. People just hate on people, period. Hate comes from insecurity, regardless. It always does. That's why I don't know why people even give any energy to hate. Hate comes from insecurity. And I hate 
when people try to say it doesn't. <laughs> nah, that's just my opinion. Nobody's talking about that. That's a whole different thing. You say my song is trash, that's not hate. But when you start talking about people that you don't know, that's hate. And that's coming from insecurity. My grandma sent me a text the other day. I loved it. And it said, have you ever met a hater doing better than you? <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I haven't. Genuinely. You don't hate on somebody unless they have something you want or you need or you desire or you wish you had or you believe you should have. Whatever the case. Talking to my homeboy the other day about how people will hate on somebody because they don't feel like they deserve to be there without knowing what they've been through. How do you know what somebody deserves if you can't sit down and tell me everything that they've been through. How do you know? You don't. You know what that makes you? A hater. <laughs> it's just true. We did a segment on The Bird Show about, like, what is the actress on the actor that you hate? And I really genuinely was, like, in my mind trying to think of one. I couldn't because I really don't be hating. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad at the end I thought of Don Cheadle. And I'm like, only him because, yeah, he was rude to my grandmother. So I don't like that guy. And that's not even like some, oh, I just hate him as an actor. Now nah, I really want to punch him in the face. He's rude to my grandmother. So that's, he's the guy. And I liked him in Fresh Prince. I like Don Cheadle, man. But you can't be rude to my grandmother. Now it's on. <laughs> but genuinely, I don't be hating on people. I mean, do what you do. But all envy starts with admiration. Your haters are, in a weird way, lovers in disguise. And they hate that they love you. And the wildest thing of it all is sometimes your lovers are haters in disguise. <laughs> it's a sick world. Who's next? Speaking of sick world, let's give out the sicko award. Made this here with all the ice on in the booth. At the gate outside, when they pull up, they give me loose. Yeah, jump out, boys. That's Nike boys. I've been out. Sicko Award this week is going to Diddy. Uh huh, yeah. Uh-huh. The reason it's going to Diddy is because J. Cole uh-huh. just released some music, and I haven't heard it yet. Uh, I'm going to listen to it this weekend. But one of the things that J. Cole reminded us of. And his music was the time that he got into a fight with Diddy at a party. And I started thinking to myself, if you're not familiar with Diddy, well, that's weird. And you should probably Google him. But big time record producer, music mogul, all of that stuff. Man is a legend in his own right of the culture. But here's the thing. Diddy is known for what some of his artists went and did after they made music. Diddy has also been on the record for either fighting or slapping Everybody. I mean, he allegedly got into it with Drake. He got into the fight with J. Cole. He got into mad fights back in the day. Diddy out here fighting everybody. And it just occurred to me that with all of this, you got the audacity to ask us to call you love? Bruh. What are you talking about, Diddy? You can't fight everybody and then ask us to call you love. You're no different than Ron Artest. Ron Artest was elbowing people to sleep beating up fans in the NBA. And they want us to call him Metal World Peace. What are you talking about? You're not Gandhi. You're not MLK. You can't fight everybody and then say that you're about peace and love. Matter of fact, throw Ron Artest in there for the Sicko Award. Both of them. 
made this here with all the ice on in the booth at the gate outside when they pull up. Diddy got arrested on UCLA campus for fighting with the coach. Who do you love? Mm. Go ahead, Daddy. It's a Queens thing, baby. I'm Stop asking for names you didn't live up to. This is why we're not allowed to give ourselves nicknames. If you have a nickname that you have given yourself, that's not your name. I'm tired of (laughs) y'all. That's not your name. You earn your nickname. You don't just give it to yourself. I got a homeboy we call money. He ain't got no damn money. I don't know why we call him that. It's sick. Who's next? Reflective moment of the week. I just want to take this time to remind everybody who is listening. If you want to grow, if you want to be somebody, somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you you better wake up (laughs) and pay attention. A few Sister Act fans going to get that. Listen. Seriously. If you want to grow in life, if you want to mature ever in life, it is important to recognize one thing. You can be wrong. There's no growth in always being right. A lot of us know a person who will never accept the fact that they're wrong. There is no accountability in their account. We all know that person. You might be that person. But... In every moment, there's something to own. If you walk out of situations believing you are 100% right, 100% of the time, you might have a bit of a problem. (laughs) You're not a computer. And even computers are not right 100% of the time. But I know people like this. Seriously. Even in being right, sometimes there's a lesson to be learned. Maybe it was your delivery. Maybe it was your tone. Maybe it was the lack of empathy. Maybe it was your approach. Whatever it is, there's always something to own. And you should be humble enough to want to grow, to even look for something to own in situations where you feel like you're right. That one's not for everybody, but it's for somebody. There's always something to own. Who's next? Quote of the week. I saw a quote this week by Russell Barkley. And it says, the children who need love the most will always ask for it in the most unloving ways. And I believe that quote to be true. But I also believe that quote to be true about adults. I put it on my social media this week. Do you believe that sometime the most, the people who need love the most will ask for it in the most unloving ways? And most of the people said absolutely. I think it was even 90%. I never realized that was a thing, but it's true. There's been a lot of times in my life where I was acting as if I didn't need love when in reality I needed it the most. Shit, that might have been yesterday. (laughs) A lot of us won't admit that, but we've done that. You've been there. I didn't realize it. I had a lot of people reach out and say, hey, I'm a teacher. I see this in my kids all the time. I'm a social worker. I see this in people all the time. I'm a therapist. I see this in people all the time. Whatever the case, this is a thing. You got to realize that sometimes people are going to ask for love in the most unloving ways. And that's not necessarily fair, but it doesn't always mean that the person is an asshole. That's a separate thing. 
because sometimes the person is. But in some cases, you got to take a step back and go, whoa, maybe this person is behaving this way in such a manner that they don't appear to ever want to be loved or touched or held or anything because they fucking need it the most. If you got children, spouse, friends even, whatever the case, sometime, that's a good piece of information to have. Use it if you will. As always, it's been a pleasure to share the moment with you. I appreciate you being here. I came to part today, but I hope it was helpful and insightful. Because a lot of people do reach out and say, yo, Mo, I love when you go there. So, I went there. But y'all enjoy the rest of your day and love yourself. Because it starts with you. There's no one else you can love if you haven't learned to love yourself. You may think you're loving them, but trust me, you ain't. (laughs) Next week, bitches. Listen, man, life is hard. We all go through things. It is what it is sometimes. I heard, I saw the video with the singer Tank saying he deaf in one ear and he's losing hearing in the other. Gave me perspective. Even when it's bad, how bad is it really? You can still hear the music. And that's enough to make you wonder. With that said, no matter how hard it might be, you should always look at life and think of this song. 